The Department of Homeland Security warns that the migrant caravan at the San Diego border contains over 500 known criminals, prompting Tijuana residents to protest what they are calling an invasion. Then, video killed the TV star. Trump beats the White House Correspondents Association, and Mohammed celebrates his 1,447th birthday. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. The Department of Homeland... I'm, no, I'm sorry, I'm getting breaking news in here. I'm sorry, just one second. Yes, uh, we can now confirm, the Daily Wire can confirm, Donald Trump has pardoned the Thanksgiving turkey. We cut now to a live shot from the White House. In this grand tradition, I am pleased to announce that today's lucky bird and guest of honor is named Peas, along with his alternate named Carrots. The children will understand that. The winner of this vote was decided by a fair and open election conducted on the White House website. This was a fair election. Unfortunately, Carrots refused to concede and demanded a recount, and we're still fighting with Carrots. And I will tell you, we've come to a conclusion. Carrots, I'm sorry to tell you, the result did not change. Too bad for carrots. <laughs> too bad for carrots. Too bad for Stacey Abrams in Georgia. Too bad for Andrew Gillum in Florida. I love him so much. I love when Trump does this. He's at his best. He's funny. And he's not missing any opportunity to just get a little dig in there at the left. A little dig at these Democrats who won't give up elections, even at the turkey pardon, one of the stupidest, most frivolous traditions in the presidency. He takes the opportunity to, to just get a great zinger in there at the left. Really great stuff. We have a lot to talk about, but first let's make a little money with Ring. You know Ring. Ring's mission is to make neighborhoods safer. Today, over a million people use the amazing Ring video doorbell to help protect their homes. You know them because it's all your cool friends. All, you know when you go to the, you, you have, some people have friends who are cool, some who are, you know, aren't that cool. You go to your cool friend's house and they have that cool Ring video doorbell there. They have the floodlight camera, so you've got, uh, you can see people and you can see when things go bump in the night. All of Ring stuff is, uh, it's so accessible because with the Ring video doorbell, you can see people who are there. You can talk to them, whether you're inside the house, whether you're at work, whether you're on a beach in Boca. Uh, it's HD video, two-way audio, lets you know the moment anyone s- steps onto your property. You can even uh, set off an alarm right from your phone. Uh, whether you're home or away, the Ring floodlight camera lets you keep an eye on your home from anywhere. A Ring floodlight offers the ultimate in-home security with high visibility floodlights and a powerful HD camera that puts security in your hands. The nice thing is it's uploaded to the cloud, so even if the thief steals your Ring, it doesn't matter. You'll have it. You can send it to your neighbors. Save up to 150 bucks off a Ring of Security kit when you go to ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. What is it? Ring.com slash Knowles. So according to the Department of Homeland Security, in news that does not relate to whether peas or carrots or whichever turkey is being pardoned by the president, when you look to our southern border, (laughs) the Department of Homeland Security is now saying that that caravan, which has been moving from Honduras through Guatemala to Mexico, now to the U.S. southern border, now has about 500 known criminals in it. These are uh, people who are wanted for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, armed robbery, sexual assault on a child, assault on a female. We're not talking about somebody stealing a Snickers bar from the newspaper stand. We're talking about dangerous criminals, about 500 of them. Uh, Right now, I think it's about 7,000 people 
It's expected to swell again to 10,000 people. So again, obviously, it's not the majority of these people are violent criminals, but it's not an insignificant portion either. When you're talking about 500 people out of 5,000, 7,000, that's, that's a pretty significant chunk. Obviously, the left doesn't want to admit this. They want to say that it's perfectly normal for people to cross national borders illegally, to just wander around other, other countries without any right to do so. They want to pretend that that's normal, and they want to pretend that Americans are wrong and evil for saying, no, thank you, we have a border, you have to follow our laws. One uh, issue right now that the left has to deal with is that citizens of other countries are admitting that this is insane. Because you've got to remember, these, these migrants are coming from Honduras. They go all the way up. Now they're in Mexico. The Mexicans aren't any happier about this than the United States is. They've now got 10,000 people wandering around their country uh, causing mayhem in the streets. So there was a, a group of protesters, Mexican national protesters, in Tijuana. Here's what they were chanting just the other day. For those who don't speak Spanish, I don't speak Spanish either, but I could at least make that out. He's saying this is an invasion. I am saying Donald Trump was right. This is an invasion. Of course it's an invasion. If this isn't an invasion, then what is an invasion? What's the definition of an invasion? It's when another group comes into your territory in a hostile manner and does whatever they want, regardless of laws, regardless of the, the demands of the people who are in that territory. So this is obviously happening. The Tijuana mayor, Juan Manuel Gastelum, is calling these people bums. And bums is what they are. Uh, they're, they're breaking laws. They're not just breaking the laws of the United States or trying to. They're breaking the laws of Mexico. They're breaking the laws of other countries along that route. What the left is trying to pretend now is that it's all women and children. That's what they always say. It's women and children coming through. They're just looking for a better life. They're fleeing violence. It isn't. The best estimates we have are that of the 7,000 people there, maybe 1,000 of them are women and children. The rest, 6,000 or so, are young men. No surprise, this happened in 2015 when uh, Muslim migrants from Syria, from Afghanistan, from other places in the Middle East, when they flooded into Europe, we were all told it was women and children, it was refugees, and yet all, all, virtually all of these people were young, unvetted, single men. Uh, and that, that's what we're seeing here now. The Department of Homeland Security is also warning, quote, citizens of countries outside of Central America, including countries in the Middle East, Africa, South Asia, and elsewhere are currently traveling toward, uh, through Mexico toward the U.S. So again, not a spontaneous uprising. We never believed that it was, but this shows you the national security threat. They just arrested a number of Bangladeshi nationals who were found to have made it into Mexico and were trying to get up into the United States. People from all over the world, why wouldn't they? The president of Guatemala said that he's deported a number of ISIS-related Islamic terrorists who made it into his country. Some of us think that's far-fetched because we don't expect to see Islamic terrorists on the other side of the globe in Central America. But if the plan here is to damage the United States, to invade the United States, why wouldn't they go to Mexico? Why wouldn't they go to Guatemala or Honduras or El Salvador or other failed states that uh, can allow them to slip in and slip up into the United States, especially when half of the United States is encouraging the invasion, is saying that if you oppose the invasion, that you're somehow racist or bigoted or hateful or whatever. Uh, on top of all of this, a judge has ruled that President Trump cannot turn away illegal immigrants who have crossed at places that are not official 
ports of entry. So what we've got now, because the United States is so generous in its, in its immigration policy, if you show up to a port of entry and you have, you got no papers, you're not vetted, you're not being offered citizenship, you're not being offered immigration, and you just say, I'm here to be a refugee, they'll process you. They'll bring you through refugee proceedings and see if, if you can be granted political asylum. Now, some people don't want to wait in line. Some people don't want to wait that long. So they'll cross over illegally between ports of entry. If they're then arrested by Immigration and Customs Enforcement, President Trump was saying they have forfeited their right to be granted asylum. They're already breaking our laws. We've got to kick them out. This federal judge, uh, John Tiger, is saying absolutely not. Even those people have to be processed. Even people that we are catching in a crime, their first act in the United States is a crime, even they will be processed and possibly given asylum. So this strikes down, or at least halts, President Trump's executive order, uh, his recent executive order to to get those people out of the country. The left is claiming that Donald Trump is anti-immigrant, that he's isolationist, that Republicans are xenophobic, that we want to kick people out of the country. Where do you see this? Show me the specific example. President Trump himself has said, we want immigrants, we just want them to come legally. But show me the example. Where is this happening? We can't stop immigrants between ports of entry. Uh, we're, we're now seeing 2,000 people per day illegally flooding into this country. Uh, even with the United States military, we've sent the military to the border. Even then we can't enforce our laws. Where, where is this isolationist, cruel United States? What it seems to me is that we're impotent. We're not able to enforce our basic laws. We're being held back at every turn by creative interpretations of immigration law, by half of the country, the radical left, which wants open borders, and by judges who are insisting that we can't even enforce laws that are on the books. So open borders seems to be the only, op that's the, that's the only option that the left is willing to give us. We have to remind ourselves, no nation on earth has open borders. No nation with open borders has ever remained a nation very long. It's insane. Why would we tolerate this? Mexico won't tolerate this. There are protests in the streets in Mexico. Why? Show me the example of the United States being especially cruel to immigrants. From all I can see, the United States is the most generous country in the world when it comes to an immigration regime. The left can't show an example, so they just talk in these slogans. Nobody is illegal. They're dreamers. Uh, you, they use all of these various euphemisms. Undocumented uh, future Americans, undocumented dreamers, whatever. It's all slogans. Ask them to cite you a specific example of the United States having a cruel immigration policy. They say, well, the reason that people are entering illegally is because our immigration regime is too restrictive. We right now in the United States have something like 19% of the population foreign born. This is the highest number since the 1890s. What number would you prefer? If, if 19 or 20% of the population being foreign born is too low, what would you prefer? 30%, 40%, 60%? At, at what point is, is your, so much of your country foreign-born that the country itself no longer has a claim to its own identity. I'm not suggesting that we should uh, cut off all immigration, but especially, especially at a time when half of the country is saying we can't assimilate anybody, we shouldn't assimilate anybody, they should maintain their exact same culture and their exact same language and not change a single thing to come to America. At what point do you not have a country anymore? What other countries on earth have 20% foreign-born populations? 
19%. I don't see a lot of them. You got to drill down to the specifics and they'll fall silent because all they have are slogans. Speaking of falling silent, one of my favorite things to do every single day is when I come home from this, from this show, I, you know, obviously I've, I've been working at that point for already three or maybe even four hours. And so I'm really exhausted. And I like to just lie down on my purple mattress. You know how much I love my purple mattress. I'm a proselytizer for my purple mattress. It is the greatest mattress ever period. That's all it is. It's not an inner spring. It's not exactly a memory foam. It is this new technology developed by rocket scientists. I have no idea what it is. I couldn't tell you. It's kind of squishy. It's kind of firm. It feels, the mattress feels both firm and soft at the same time. I know that doesn't sound like it means anything. Just try it. You'll believe me. It's the greatest. I've never slept better. My back feels great and I've got back problems in my family. It's absolutely fabulous. Uh, it will feel different than anything you've ever experienced. It's just this new material. It's unique. Uh, it's also sleeps very cool, which is really, really nice. Uh, you can get a 100 night risk-free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, return your mattress for a full refund. You will not return it. It's backed by 10-year warranty, free shipping, and returns free in-home setup, old mattress removal. It's at, Do it. I'm telling you. You spend money on the things that matter, which is where you spend. Some people spend a third of their life on their bed. I spend, obviously, more like four-fifths. It really matters. You're going to love purple. My listeners get a free purple pillow with purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to great free gifts are offering site-wide. Text COFEFE, C-O-V-F-E-F-E to 474747. That's the only way to get a free pillow. Text COFEFE, C-O-V-F-E-F-E to 474747. That is C-O-V-F-E-F-E, 47, 47, 47. Get that cool mattress. So uh, drill into the specifics. That's where they will fall silent. Nobody has shown this better in recent days than Dan Crenshaw. You know Dan Crenshaw? He's the war hero. He was injured. He's, he was just elected to Congress. He wears an eye patch, and SNL made fun of him. So Dan Crenshaw was on Face the Nation. And this whole left-wing cabal on Face the Nation, they were talking about how Donald Trump is ruining democracy, threatening democracy, threatening our freedoms. We've heard this. We see this in the Washington Post, in the New York Times, on CNN, at the coffee cooler. Uh, do we have coffee coolers? No, we have coffee machines and water coolers. We hear that we're going to hear this at our Thanksgiving table with our left-wing in-laws. And Dan Crenshaw asks a very simple question. Show me an example. I mean, precisely that, that I think some of our democratic freedoms and the principles that we live by um, have been under attack for the better part of the last two years. Congressman, like, do you want to respond to that since the president has, is the leader of your party? Yeah. Well, I, I always ask the question, like, like what? You know, like, what is he undermining exactly? Like, you know, what, what democratic freedoms have been undermined? We just had an election where we switched, switched power in the House. Democracy is at work. People are voting and we're in record numbers. Um, I, I always ask for examples, and then we can hit those examples one by one. And if it's and if it's worth criticizing, it's worth criticizing. But just kind of this broad brush criticism that the president is somehow undermining our democracy. I always wonder like, what exactly we're talking Bobby about. I love that approach because this guy. This is a pretty tough hombre, obviously. You can see the patch on his eye. This is a warrior. This is a fighter. But when he presents himself in front of left wingers and in front of the public. He is so reasonable. He just, he kind of sits back. He says, well, what are you talking about? This is what, whenever you see right-wingers in those videos on the internet, you know, so-and-so destroys so-and-so, usually it's not because the guy is yelling at whatever stupid college kid it is. It's because he, he allows his adversary to tie the noose around his own neck, rhetorically speaking. He allows his adversary to stumble and expose the shallowness of his ideas. It's not usually a slam dunk. It's a question. You say, I think there was one of Ben, right? He said, how many genders are there? 
maybe it was, I, don't, I forget. He said something about gender. And, but he asks the question. And this is a good example. There was someone on Twitter the other day tweeted out, there are more than two genders. This is just a fact. You ask them, how many are there? You give me the number. You tell me. Then we'll talk about it. They fall silent. That's what he says. He says, what, what freedoms are being limited? So they jump in. Uh, one guy says, well, freedom of the press. So freedom of the, why? Because Jim Acosta was kicked out of a press room. CNN didn't lose its press credentials. CNN has other reporters in there. Jim Acosta was disrupting the press conference. He was taking up a lot of time from other reporters who could ask questions. He was challenging the president. He wasn't asking any questions. He wasn't asking challenging questions. He was debating him. He was making assertions. He was stating his own opinion. Uh, he, was, he was being disruptive, so he was kicked out. If, if Donald Trump were threatening the freedom of the press, he would have thrown CNN out of there or he would stop having press conferences. This president has been totally open to the press. He's constantly talking to them. They love him for it because they get good ratings, and he loves it because he gets to slam them and make them look like the partisan hacks that they are. How about freedom to vote? We just had a historically high turnout for a midterm election. We never have high turnout in both parties at midterm elections. Usually, for the first midterm after a president is elected, there's high turnout among his adversaries, but there's low turnout among his own party. This time, there was very high turnout about, among both sides. People were going out to vote in record numbers. Democrats were so excited to vote, they voted on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. I think some of them are still voting down there in Georgia. How about freedom of education? You've got the president supporting uh, school choice, supporting charter schools, supporting uh, the ability for students to get out of bad, failing schools that are determined by their zip code and go to places where they could succeed. And you've got Democrats, like Andrew Gillum in Florida was talking about this. He said, we got to kill the charter schools. we got to kill school, school choice. We've just got to force kids to go to the failing schools that they're districted into. So it seems on that question of freedom, Trump and the Republicans are, are far more advanced than the left. How about freedom of religion? Uh, you, you had under the Obama administration, the little sisters of the poor suing the Obama administration because, the, because he was trampling over their religious freedom. He was forcing Americans to pay for abortions. He's forcing Americans to, to, he was forcing Catholic and Christian employers to pay for abortion-inducing drugs. Uh, he was trampling over religious freedom. How about under President Trump? None of that. An expansion of religious liberty. You're seeing, fortunately, finally, some of the courts allowing people to have to practice their religion, to have their own exercise of conscience, to not violate their religious views, not to bake cakes uh, in in certain designs and participate in in activities that they find morally objectionable. That's a great expansion of religious liberty. You, there was just a, a Muslim woman elected to the House of Representatives. She wants to wear the hijab. There's a rule against uh, headwear in the chambers of Congress, and they're lifting that for her. They're doing it as a courtesy to her. We're seeing an expansion of religious freedom. How about economic freedom? Obviously, among the Republicans, uh, under Republican governance, there is a great expansion of economic freedom. Tax cuts and deregulation. Your taxes represent your freedom. They're your money. They're the time that you spend working. They're your industry. And when the government takes away your, your money, they're taking away your time. The, the average American, if you're paying a 40% tax rate, then that means you're working almost half the year for the federal government. You say you're working five months a year for the government as their wage slave, you know, giving as a, as a vassal, as some serf in their feudal scheme. And uh, under President Trump, we're seeing this uh, greatly expanded. All of this talk, he's undermining our freedoms, he's undermining democracy. It's lies, it's fake news, it's BS. 
This is a great strategy from Crenshaw, and we should we should all keep it up because it cuts the narrative. It shows how empty all of this is. The left is so good at narrative. It's why they own the culture. It's why they own Hollywood. And the right is not as good at it because we're usually so scandalized by the lies that they're telling us in this narrative. But finally, we're taking it back. We're taking it back from the turkey pardon. We're taking it back in little cultural moments where we can twist and show the narrative. And, uh, and we're, we're able to fight that and expose it. Speaking of fake news, did you know it's Muhammad's birthday? Muhammad, I'm talking about the 7th century religious figure from Arabia. It's Muhammad's birthday. It's his uh, 1,447th birthday. And speaking of fake news, the New York Times today ran a doozy. They ran one of the fake newsiest pieces I've seen in the New York Times in a long time. And that is really saying something. They ran a piece called Happy Birthday, Muhammad. Now, this is an op-ed piece. This was an opinion piece, not a news article. Some people have uh, responded to my criticism of this piece and say, well, it's opinion. Opinions can't be right or wrong. It's just opinion. No, let me try to explain this to you postmodern leftists. Opinions can be wrong and frequently are wrong. What you're thinking of is a preference, such as I prefer chocolate ice cream to vanilla ice cream. You're not saying chocolate is objectively better than vanilla or sweeter or more delicious or whatever. You're saying you prefer it. And a preference can't be wrong because it's just your taste. It's a subjective statement of taste. An opinion is a statement of fact as you see it. So if I say, I think the Leftist Tears Tumblr is the greatest and safest vessel for the transportation of Leftist Tears, that is a true opinion because it is. There is no greater vessel for the safe transportation of leftist ears than this. The FDA agrees with me. That is a true opinion. If I say, I think it is my opinion that two plus two equals seven, that's a wrong opinion. It's, but hey man, that's just your opinion. Right, it's your opinion, but it's wrong. All of that is prefaced to say, it's Muhammad's birthday. This guy, Harun Mogul, wrote uh, 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 this glowing ode to Muhammad in the New York Times. He gets a few things wrong. So he says, quote, when he, Muhammad, first proclaimed prophecy, even his own uncle laughed at him, but he never laughed back. His followers were reviled, beaten, and killed. He didn't strike back. If you're still with me, I, this is a little bit of a spoiler alert if you haven't read the Quran. Uh, he struck back. <laughs> Muhammad struck back. He was actually famous for striking back. He struck back all the time. Here are just a few verses from the Quran to, to remind you of him striking back. Quote, but when the forbidden months are past, then fight and slay the pagans wherever ye find them and seize them, beleaguer them and lie in wait for them. Strike back. Kill them wherever you find them and drive them out from where they drove you out. Strike back. When you meet the unbelievers, smite their necks. This is a, a verse quoted by terrorists who behead people. Strike back. Strike them at the necks and cut off their fingers. That actually has the word strike in them. He says he never struck back. As to those women from whom you fear disobedience, give them a warning. Send them to separate beds and beat them. Which is to say, strike back. Hashtag me too. Strike back. So this is, and, so this is just in the Quran. I am just quoting the Quran. How am I quoting the Quran? Because when I was a young boy, I was, uh, I think, about 14, I read the Quran. I read the Quran before I really seriously read the Bible. Not because I was thinking of converting to Islam, but because atheist leftists in America kept telling me that Islam was a religion of peace, and it was purely a religion of peace, and it never condoned violence, and violence was against the 
teachings and practices of Muhammad, and I just sort of suspected that might not be correct. <laughs> I don't know. I was looking around the world. I thought, mm, maybe this isn't the whole story. So I read the Quran, and obviously you can find many, many more verses like that. But you don't just have to look to the Quran. You can look to the life of Muhammad. Muhammad was a conqueror. He was a warlord. He was a warrior. Muhammad personally led troops in battles where a thousand people were killed. This is not, he, he, he would uh, lead the slaying of whole tribes of people, whole tribes of people around the Middle East. It is true at various points in his life, especially in the early portion of his life, he talked a very good game on peacefulness. He did this because he was constantly under siege. At the later periods of his life, Muhammad uh, dropped a lot of that peace talk and became much more aggressive in his personal actions and in his religion that he created. So why on earth would the New York Times fall for this nonsense that Muhammad never struck anybody back? He turned the other cheek is basically what they're saying. It's because of this secular Western impulse to turn Muhammad into Jesus Christ. It's because of this secular Western impulse to pretend that Islam is really Christianity. Because the religion that defines our civilization is Christianity. And sometime in the modern era, we rejected our religion and we said that religion is wrong and it's superstition and it's hocus pocus and it's ridiculous. And uh, we reacted against that religion and we made the huge mistake of believing that all religions are the same. Oh, really, what's the difference between Christianity and Islam or non-theistic religions like Buddhism or Hinduism? Oh, shucks, what's the difference? There are major differences, but nobody in the secular West is going to take those differences seriously because they don't take religion seriously. We should clear this up. It's, it's, a, it's a real irony, really, that in order to sanitize the history of Islam for a, a Western audience, uh, what uh, these left-wingers do and left-wing secular publications like the New York Times do is they turn Muhammad into Jesus Christ. Because I, I thought that they hated Christianity, they don't like it, they reject Christianity, and yet when they're trying to make a religion look good, they try to make it look like Christianity. But there are major differences here. Ibn Hazm, who's a leading 11th century Islamic scholar, uh, pointed out a major, a fundamental difference between Christianity and Islam. He showed that in the God of Islam, Allah, uh, Allah is not even bound by his own word. He's not bound by his own logic. Nothing would oblige him to reveal the truth to us. If it were God's will, Allah, if it were Allah's will, we would even have to practice idolatry. It is a God of pure will. It is a God who is only will, not intellect and will, not reason and will, but will. Uh, this, uh, if you want to hear a good description of this. Pope Benedict uh, spoke about it in one of the greatest, I, I think probably the single greatest speech of the 21st century, the Regensburg Lecture. And uh, this difference is that the God of Islam is a God of pure will. The God of Christianity is a God of, of will and intellect, logic and will. Uh, it, it is a God bound by his own logic, a God who is logic itself. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God, that divine logic. That is a fundamental difference. The God of Christianity cannot make you uh, an idolater, <laughs> and would not that you would be an idolater. It is will and intellect and desire 
all together. Uh, Dante writes about this, where dove si puote ciò che si vuole, where where what one can do and what one wills are exactly united in the heaven and the God of Christianity. That is not the case in Islam. These distinctions tell you the whole story. These distinctions are why uh, horrific acts uh, can be committed in the name of Islam with greater justification, with greater impunity among certain religious circles. Why the founding of Islam uh, required the sword and why that religion was spread by the sword. Whereas in the founding of Christianity, it was the early Christians who were killed by the sword themselves. They were crucified upside down, they were fed to lions, and they were maimed and killed. A major distinction, ex exactly the opposite experience of spreading that religion. The New York Times doesn't see it. I don't know if they're being obtuse or if they're ignorant. Probably a little bit of both. The New York Times is known to be both. But we shouldn't fall for it. And the next time that somebody tells you that the New York Times doesn't spread fake news, point them to that article. I mean, really what you could do is open up any newspaper of the New York Times and just point to any random article and you would find it. But uh, this is a, a keen example of it. How an editor didn't at least question that ridiculous claim is, uh, is beyond me, but it's because... Probably the, the New York Times just doesn't have very much dignity anymore. Okay, we've got a lot more to get to, but first, today at 5.30 Eastern, 2.30 Pacific, I will be taking all of your questions and easing your anxiety by answering you guys live on air. Every query that has burned in your hearts will be resolved. Best of all, it's an extra hour-long dose of little old me. Who could ask for more than that? Alicia will be there as well. That will be lovely. This month's episode will stream live on Daily Wire's YouTube and Facebook pages. It will be free for everyone to watch. Only subscribers can ask the questions. If you're on dailywire.com, thank you very much. You help keep the lights on here. If you're not, if you're on Facebook and YouTube, get over there. 10 bucks a month, $100 for an annual membership. You get me. You get the Andrew Clavin Show. You get the Ben Shapiro Show. You get to ask questions in the mailbag. You get to ask questions in the conversation, which is coming up. Get your mailbag questions in for this week, by the way, tonight or tomorrow. I'm going to do the mailbag tomorrow because obviously we're all going to be out on Thanksgiving. Uh, so you can ask me all of your Thanksgiving questions too. Uh, make sure you get those in. All that really matters is the Leftist Tears Tumblr. I don't encourage antagonizing your left-wing relatives at Thanksgiving. I don't think this makes for a great time. It makes the pumpkin pie taste less delicious. It just is tedious for everybody. Now, if they bring it up, if they, you know, don't, I'm not saying back down or pretend that reality is other than it is. But if something happens, if, you know, Donald Trump starts pardoning more turkeys and making fun of more Democrat gubernatorial candidates and the leftist tears start flowing, you're not going to want to be at the table without your leftist tears tumbler. You need it. Otherwise, you'll drown and there's nothing that I can do to save you. Go to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. Speaking of floods that will destroy the earth, Barack Obama's talking about global warming again. Do you remember Barack Obama? He's back. I was playing this <laughs> earlier. Someone came into my office. They said, uh, who is that? Who is that guy? Why is that guy still talking? Shouldn't he have stopped talking a while ago? Uh, probably he should have, but he didn't. He's off on global warming, but then he's using global warming to attack Donald Trump because he is a very disrespectful person. Here is Barack Obama uh, rambling on and on and on. The reason we don't do it is because we are still confused, blind, shrouded with hate, anger, racism, 
mommy issues. That's it. That's why. That's why we're not raising uh, carbon taxes. That's why we're not destroying the global economy over, over the sun monster that's going to kill us all. That's why we're not signing on to the Paris Climate Agreement, even though we are fulfilling all of the criteria of the Paris Climate Agreement and the signatories to that agreement are failing to fulfill their, their criteria. That's why. That's the irony, by the way, in his comments. We actually are fulfilling all of these environmental criteria. We actually are fighting the great menace of global warming in a much more serious way than any of those paraclimus countries. But he's really using it to take a shot at, at, uh, at Donald Trump. Why do, he says we. He says we're not doing anything because we might have this, we might have that. He's using we to mean Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the leader of the country, and he's saying Trump won't fight global warming. And why? Because of racism because we're filled with hate and because of mommy issues. Barack Obama does not get to talk about mommy and daddy issues. Barack Obama wrote an entire self-adoring book about himself called Dreams from My Father, titled after the father that he didn't know. Nobody gets to talk about mommy and daddy issues when you do that, Barack. But this is the, this is the classic Obama thing. It's he pretends to be high-minded. Michelle pretends to be high-minded. When they go low, we go high. We go high. We're so, we're so ethereal. We're, so, we're up here in this sophisticated area. And yet, whenever anybody criticizes them, whenever they don't like what one of their opponents is doing, whenever they have an honest disagreement and difference of opinion with somebody, they accuse that person of being a racist, a bigot, a sexist, hateful, mean. What, uh, th- that's, that's all they do. I, and... Uh, obviously, he must be very angry because his entire legacy has been wiped out by Donald Trump. But he's, he's making himself look even more shallow than he did as president. A question comes up, why be so mean to Barack Obama? He doesn't matter anymore. He's out of it. Who cares? His legacy has been erased. The reason is because these ideas of his have consequences. They, they can lead to a lot of human misery, and you've got to refute them at every chance you get. Even, even uh, his health care policy, upending one-sixth of the economy, depriving people of the doctors that they liked, increasing the cost of health care for everybody, threatening our freedom when it comes to health care. Even that is, is a major threat to the country, and we have to refute these ideas because they're going to come back. Barack Obama is not going quietly into the sunset to go write some books and teach a class at UChicago or something. He is out there. He's trying to remain a player. He's trying to undermine the duly elected president of the United States. He's calling half the country hateful, awful, terrible bigots with mommy issues. And we got to fight back. We got to push him back. Uh, This is exactly the same with with Ocasio-Cortez. We have to fight stupid ideas. If you you miss this, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is on it again. She, I, I actually had a priest write into the show, a very nice man, who said, Michael, I like the show, but you're too mean to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and you've got to watch it. You don't want to seem like you're being cruel or, or unnecessarily mean. You don't want to fall into sin while you show this left-wing lunacy. And it's a good warning. It's a good warning to keep in mind. But it is very important. It is our moral obligation to point out Ocasio-Cortez's political idiocy at every chance we get. She is now, I think, the youngest member elected to Congress. She uh, speaks for a huge number of people. She is the darling of the Democrat Party. They trot her out to fundraise. She is representing a lot of people, and she doesn't know anything. 
Her head is entirely empty. It is made of air. It is such a vacuum, I'm surprised it doesn't collapse in upon itself. If you were to fire a little ping pong ball in there, here's what you would hear. Maybe it would fall out her ear at some point. She doesn't know a thing, and we have to point this out. Or the infection, the disease of socialist ignorance and envy will spread like a poison. Uh, how do I know that she doesn't know anything? Here's the latest nonsense that Ocasio-Cortez is spouting. If we work our butts off to make sure that we take back all three chambers of Congress, uh, rather all three chambers of government, the presidency, the Senate, and the House in 2020, we can't start working in 2020. All three chambers of Congress. All three chambers of our bicameral legislature. <laughs> Now, you might say there, oh, she just misspoke. Michael, you misspeak sometimes. Yeah, we all misspeak. Sometimes we, Barack Obama said there are 57 states in the country. Nobody ever covered that. They all, every time George Bush sneezed, they would make him out to be a dunce. But Barack Obama says there are 57 states. Ocasio-Cortez says that there are three chambers of our, of our bicameral legislature, and uh, nobody really talks about it. But she doubles down, and she still got it wrong. She said, no, no, I'm sorry, I mean the three chambers of government you know, the White House and the House of Representatives and the Senate. Those are not our three chambers of government. We don't have three chambers of government. We have three branches of government, and she still got those wrong. We have the executive branch, that is the White House, that is the president. We have the legislative branch, that is bicameral, it has the House and the Senate. And we have the judiciary, the judicial branch. Supreme Court on top, appellate courts, federal courts, all these courts. Three branches, bicameral legislature and a presidency and a court. Okay, that's, that's how our government is set up. Do, does Ocasio-Cortez know that? I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical that she knows that. Look, this cuts both ways sometimes. Uh, Donald Trump, an excellent president, he once referred to bills that a judge would sign. Was he misspeaking or has he just not spent much time analyzing the way that our government is set up? I assume it's the latter. It's okay. What is the practical effect of that? Not very much. What is he doing in politics? Excellent stuff. So I'll let him off the hook. What does she want? She wants to spread the poison of socialism, destroy the greatest engine of prosperity and peace and justice in the entire world. You don't let her get away with that. You don't let her get away with some stupid comment because it's all charming until she's running the government. You know, <laughs> it's all charming and funny and farcical until President Ocasio-Cortez is, uh, is elected, uh, you know, and, and we're at the inauguration. I don't, I don't know who her vice president would be. I'd, uh, I'd, I'd uh, maybe Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and then you'd have the Ocasio-Cortez Wasserman Schultz administration. It'd be a real mouthful. Uh, that, it's all funny until she's got real power. Fortunately, she doesn't yet, but she's trying to raise it. She's protesting Nancy Pelosi. She's going into her office. She is clearly an ambitious person, and she's not intelligent, and she's not educated whatsoever. She's not knowledgeable, but she is shrewd. You don't get yourself elected president. You don't upend a many-term incumbent if you're not politically shrewd. She is. You got to watch her. She's a snake in the grass. She's a fraud. She's a liar. She pretends to be Jenny from the block. She's not. She's from a ritzy suburb. She's from the richer town right next to the town that I grew up in. And you really got to watch her. And we don't want to be mean to her, but you can't let her off the hook either. Okay. All right. It's important with millennials. Millennials don't know civics. They do not know. Study after study shows this, that millennials don't know anything about civics. They did a study. They, they did a poll of a thousand people to see who could name the five rights enshrined in the First Amendment. Do you know how many people got all five of them? One. One out of a thousand. 
a, a, a huge proportion of them couldn't name any of the rights. They couldn't name free speech or freedom of religion or freedom of assembly. They couldn't name any of those. So uh, this is a big worry. One third of American millennials think George Bush killed more people than Joseph Stalin did. Uh, 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 I think the majority of American millennials have never heard of the, no, that's not true. Uh, but a huge number of American millennials have never heard of the Holocaust. Don't know what Auschwitz is. Really scary stuff. You got to watch out when people are ignorant. Uh, an, a, an aspect that will cut both ways, that helps to educate people, and, uh, but also cuts away at our common cultural education, is a major news story that is not really being covered. TV is over. Video killed the TV star. Videos like this. We're not on TV right now. We're not on linear TV. We're on the internet. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. Maybe you're watching us on a TV, but it's because you're streaming it from somewhere else. You're watching it on Daily Wire. TV is over. I obviously have a personal interest in this. I like that TV is over because it means more people are watching this. But there's some pretty crazy political lessons here. In the third quarter of 2018, the largest number of people ever cut their subscriptions to cable and satellite television. We had, this has been, obviously this trend's been going on for a long time. And analysts predicted that it would slow down, it would stop, and then people, people who have TV would just maintain it. That's not happening. It was the largest number ever in the third quarter. Uh, cable and satellite companies lost more than a million subscribers from July to September. Why is this? In part, it's because TV is very overpriced. You're paying $100 a month on average. That's the average cost of a cable subscription to watch three channels. You don't watch, you get a million channels, but nobody watches a million channels. You only watch two or three, really. You only, maybe you watch the news, maybe you watch sports, and you can get sports for free on, on antenna TV. Uh, but, uh, but the other reason for this is choice. You get choice. I, how many shows do I watch? At any given time, maybe I watch two or three shows and I, and I listen to podcasts or I listen to uh, audiobooks or whatever. I'm not w sitting there watching the primetime lineup on NBC or something like that. We want what we want and we can get it through other services. This is a huge win for conservatives. More choice, more freedom. This is an unqualified good for conservatives. The way that the left has dominated our culture is they've force-fed us all of their tripe for years and years, and we've just had to deal with it. Um, now conservatives have their own platforms. You know, it's not we're not in the giant soundstage over in Studio City or something, but we're getting huge numbers, a huge audience. Uh, huge audiences of people who want a message that they're not getting, who want information that they're not getting from the left-wing media. This is an unqualified good for conservatives. It will further erode the common culture. We don't have a lot holding us together, and now we don't watch the same sitcoms. I think in part this is caused by greedy, corrupt, hack Hollywood that turns out a lot of trash, that politicizes their shows. You know, it, it, there, have been, there are shows that have political message, like All in the Family, for instance, had, uh, obviously it was a, largely about politics, the conservative Archie Bunker character against the left-wing meathead character, but it used politics at least to advance the plot of the show. Now what Hollywood does is uses the shows to advance their politics to the detriment of the entertainment. This erosion of the common culture is a big worry because we don't have a, a single language in the United States. The left in, it doesn't want Spanish speakers to learn English, doesn't want other immigrant groups to learn English. They don't want an official language. There's no common religious basis in the U.S. anymore. The fastest growing group is, are the nuns, the religiously unaffiliated. It's people who are spiritual but not religious. It's not that 
rock solid Christian culture that the, the United States once had. Uh, we are increasingly polarized politically and put greater importance into politics, largely because of the erosion of religion and culture. So we are, we're having that common culture ripped apart. This is accelerating it. All I can say is this is what freedom looks like. This is freedom. Safety, sweet, nice, altogether, common culture, leave it to beaver, which never really existed, by the way. Uh, but that idea, that's nice, but that's not freedom. That's not when you're free to say what you want, consume what you want, explore ideas that you want to. That's not freedom. This is what freedom looks like. It's not as uh, nostalgic. It's, it's not this thing that we're nostalgic for in the 1940s and 50s. Fair enough. But nostalgia is history after a few drinks, as they say. So I'm skeptical that it ever happened. This is freedom. Conservatives should celebrate it. Cut the cord some more. Cut, cut, cut. Go for it. Uh, before we go, I really have to play this clip. This was made by our own Paul Cardinal Bois and Donovan Fowler. They came up with this. Uh, you know, you, you know Paul Cardinal Bois. He would come on the show all the time. If we still had the panel, he'd be coming on every day. Uh, they were looking at that Megyn Kelly blackface saga. Megyn Kelly suggested that sometimes if you put dark makeup on, it's not the end of the world. NBC summarily fired her. Here is a PSA from Bois and Fowler on the fallout. We interrupt this program to deliver you a special public service announcement from NBC. We at NBC care deeply about diversity and racial sensitivity. We were appalled when Megyn Kelly recently questioned whether it's okay to wear blackface or use dark makeup to impersonate a black person. And she made her skin look darker than it really is, and people said that that was racist. To be clear, it has never been okay for someone to darken their skin to appear black, like Daryl Hammond did to play Jesse Jackson on NBC, and like Fred Armisen did to play President Obama on NBC, and like Fred Armisen did to play Prince on NBC, and like Fred Armisen did to play David Patterson on NBC, and like Jimmy Fallon did to play Chris Rock on NBC, and like Ted Danson did after starring on Cheers on NBC, and before starring in The Good Place on NBC, and like Rachel Dolezal did during an interview on NBC. We at NBC wish to assure you that Megyn Kelly has been fired, because at NBC, you are not allowed to discuss blackface. You can only wear it. <laughs> the more you know, get your questions in for the conversation that's coming up today and for the mailbag tomorrow. And I will see you, what, the conversation's coming. I'll see you in like an hour. Until then, I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Senia Villarreal. Executive producer, Jeremy Bory. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer, Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Jim Nickel. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018.